So Lead Her is about 60 women leading change in 60 different ways and solving 60 different problems and giving young girls one leadership tool and one leader to truly inspire them to find their true dreams and ambitions. You're listening to the Meta Business Innovation and Technology Podcast, conversations with industry leaders on new trends and products that can grow your business. Today, we bring you the first of three episodes featuring special guests of a fireside conversation from a Meta event held on March 1st, celebrating International Women's Month. Hello, everybody. I'm Nicola Mendelssohn, and I am absolutely thrilled to be kicking off International Women's Month with all of you. Now, for those of you that I don't know yet, you can probably hear from my voice that I'm not from these parts. But this event is something that I've been doing in London for the last nine years. And I just thought it was time to bring it to New York. So I am so glad that you are here at the inaugural event that we are doing this year. So thank you for being here. And also a shout out to the thousands of women all around the world. Give a whoop and a wave to them who are also joining in but are not actually in the room. We have got the most incredible lineup. And my kind of goal today is that we can come together, that we can learn together. But also I want to make sure we have a few laughs as well, because I think it's important that when we get this many people in a room, which let's not take such a thing for granted anymore, is a special thing that we can break bread together, we can come together and we can learn together. But I also hope that together we can also take something out of here today and think, hmm, maybe that's one thing that I might be able to do a little bit differently as a result of some of the things that we've seen. And here's the thing, all the things that we've gone through recently, I think women need each other. And that's apologies to the men in the room. I like you very, very much. But the truth is that women are not having the best of times at the moment. Where do I even start? Let's think about Jacinda. Back in January, our beloved PM of New Zealand. I like, haven't anybody here been to New Zealand? Oh, oh, you're clapping and she's from New Zealand. Okay. Four people. I think it's important to say that was a bit of a shock. Even if you weren't from New Zealand, you'd kind of got into the Jacinda story, hadn't you? But what I thought was really interesting was when it came to her resignation at the press conference, she said, oh, I'm not actually leaving because the job is hard. She said she was leaving because she understood what the job took and she just didn't have enough in the tank anymore in order to do the job justice. Now, I don't know about you, but within minutes of that announcement, Loads of women that I know started to message me about that. I got lots of little broken heart emojis going, oh, did you hear about it? Did you hear about what happened with Jacinda? And a couple of others that I thought were quite telling with people going, that's me. Oh, my God, that feels like me. I'm sometimes feeling like that as well. The worst one I got was, this just proves that the world doesn't want working mums. And I just thought there was something a little bit heartbreaking about seeing some of that sort of reaction. She was the hero, right? She'd given birth whilst in office. I think that was a world first. She'd done all those lovely little videos of the tooth fairy and with her kids and that coming out from a prime minister. And she seemed capable of just about anything and everything. And yet she was stepping down because in her words, she was tired. And she wasn't the only one. Just two weeks ago, as I was thinking about preparing for today, Nicola Sturgeon went and did it as well, the first minister of Scotland. And she stepped down in a similar surprise announcement for literally virtually the same reasons. So we've got two women, two different countries right on the opposite sides of the world at actually two different, very different stages of their life. But they came to very similar conclusions. 
And actually, it's not just government leaders who are flagging as well. It's women in business. There was a recent study put out by McKinsey and the Lean In Foundation called Women in the Workplace. And it found that women leaders are leading, you know, are leaving their companies in record numbers. Like, and actually, it is women like everybody in the room. And it's got a name because you've got to name everything these days. This one's now called The Great Breakup. And it actually says that women are actually leaving their employees for exactly the same reason that Jacinda and Nicola chose to leave theirs. But they also went further in the report to say some of the reasons why it's actually adding to the fatigue that they're feeling. And so a lot of them cited things like little microaggressions. Um, they also cited things like the women are the ones that often do the office housekeeping. You know, those little things, right? Oh, it's somebody's birthday. Let's do the whip round. Who does the whip round? Who then goes and buys the present? Who goes out? make sure that that happens. And a lot of that work or the cultural work, it gets called cultural work. That's all really, it is important work. But the thing that they cite also is it often doesn't get noticed and it often doesn't get rewarded for that important work. And what we're seeing is that as women are contemplating their careers, it's becoming very important for them to look at companies that actually can offer flexibility, do put an emphasis on things like diversity equity and inclusion as well. And for every woman who is promoted to a director level today, there's two women, two directors that are choosing to leave the company. And you can all think of women in your own organizations. I can think in mine of women at that kind of senior level that have chosen to left. So just think about this. This means if for now, if everybody in this room were to, well, if one of you were to get promoted tomorrow, have a little look around, choose. Two, two of the people in this room will leave. That's what the numbers are saying. I think that's quite terrifying in terms of the progress that, that we have been making. So the truth is really that women have lost ground during the pandemic. And whether it is by choice or by circumstance, we are no longer now on a track to reach equality by 2030. In fact, the terrifying number is that it's going to take another 300 years before we hit equality with men. 300 years and actually, just, just do the experience of going back 300 years in time. Do we want to be the contemporary version of the 1800s? So what do we do about it? Because I'm not going to bring you all on a downer. You come here for a lunch and you're like, Jesus, I'm depressed beyond belief. And that is why the theme of today is act now. Because whilst there are so many women all around the world that are just maxed out at home and they're maxed out at work, how do we... All of us in this room, how do we really help all of them and think about what the differences that we can make? But at the moments where we can give, and I think every single one of the people in the room is one of those people that can give, then I think we should give generously to make sure we carry the ball forward for those who are at different times and not able to catch it in the way that we have. And to paraphrase one of the title of one of this year's Oscar nominees, no one can give everything, everywhere, all at once, but everyone can give something. It's true, right? It's true. So my question to all of you today is, what are you going to give? You are all in a position of power, meaning that you have the ability and the power to change something for another woman in your life if you choose to do. And you know, there's so many amazing stories all over the world that if you just look and scratch that you can see what women are doing every single day and the difference that they make. And they don't have to be the CEO or the CFO or the COO of an organization. They don't. 
I think about Angela Fan, who is a researcher here in our AI team. And she's been working with our open source AI models for Wikipedia to create rough drafts for their editors of all the women out there who should be on Wikipedia, but nobody bothered to ever write it. Isn't it amazing? Yeah, give it up for Angela. It's the best. And in a similar vein, this is a story from the 90s, but it's relevant because there's a new book coming out, and I'm always in favor of letting people know about new exciting books that are coming out. It's the story of Nancy Hopkins. Does anyone know the story of Nancy? Nobody. This is brilliant. Then you all need to know the story of Nancy, and that's why it's going to be a New York Times bestselling book in the not-too-distant future. So she is a biologist, and in the 90s, she was at MIT, and she started to notice the discrimination that she and other women in the faculty were experiencing. This is, you know, you know the stuff. They were getting paid less. They didn't have the senior positions. And they didn't even have the same amount of bench space in terms of doing their experiments. And I go, well, why does that matter for all the non-scientists in the room, of which I would count myself as one? If you just have a little bit less space, then you can just do a few little less experiments. So guess who's going to get on? Do you know what she did? She got together. This is so going to be a film, isn't it? She got together with 15 other women in MIT in the 90s, and they started measuring the benches of all the researchers, all the female researchers versus the men. Guess what they found? Inches do matter. It turns out they took it to the bosses. And when the evidence was literally presented there in front of them, they were right. The discrimination was true. And the rest is history. They changed it up. They got the same lab spaces. They got the same money. They started to write the same number of papers, et cetera, et cetera. We have today with us some incredible guests who are making small activism into a very big story. So I'm asking you today, what's your story going to be? What is the difference? What's the one or two things that you might take inspiration from today and think about? I'm going to do this differently. I want to do something that I can help. Look around you. There's 120 extraordinary people in the room right now. You are well-resourced. You have the ability to make difference in the most extraordinary way. And to all of the thousands of you out there streaming as well, I'm talking to all of you as well. Think about what those small little acts could be. Think about the commitments that you might sign up to. Think about the multiplier effect that all of us can have on all of the people that we touch in our community. We literally have the potential to touch thousands and change thousands. So if you're on the finance side of things, maybe you can be a financial feminist. Maybe you can give some financial training, which is always coming up as one of the things that women, when they're starting businesses, crave the most. Or you could invest in a female-founded business. Mentors and sponsors are such an important thing. And if you're not already actively mentoring or sponsoring someone, it is a gift and a joy. And I tell you, you get so much more back from the act that you do. And the other big area is digital skills. I mean, this is one of the areas that the UN has said is one of the biggest barriers to entry to women all over the world. If you have digital skills, pass them on. If you need to arrange trainings, maybe we could help. I think there's things that we could think about, that we could touch so many more people if we think creatively and passionately about what we can do. The bottom line is there is so much we can do, and it doesn't always have to cost a lot of money. We can just think about the skills that we have and then push them forwards. And regardless of what we do or don't decide to do, we don't actually have to carry the weight of the world on our shoulders in order to tip the scales of women. Small little acts can make a difference. Remember to keep making sure that you have enough gas in your tank as well, because the people around you, your teams, your family, they need you. And then we need to all be there to pick up where others have left off. 
So with that, I want to get us cracking on with our agenda today. And I am delighted to welcome my very good friend, Judy, who's coming onto the stage. She is the Vice President of Global Customer Marketing. And she has a very special guest. And I can tell you, her guest is literally light years ahead of us. And I guarantee she's going to give us all a run for our money. Judy, over to you. I just want to thank her for bringing this wonderful group of people together. This room is full of powerful and purposeful people. And every time I come to New York, I feel a bit more energized, a bit more inspired, a bit more driven to deliver and to work on the tasks at hand. And as you heard from Nicola, we have work to do. And as you can see, our theme today is act now. And I think it's very timely because as the saying goes, the fierce urgency of now, this is a time of great change and challenge. And what better time for us to lean in and to make a difference? Because if we want to make the change that we seek, we all actually have to act. We have to put ourselves out there and we have to make sure that what we're doing each day will make a difference. You know, I'm always so excited to meet and to talk to women that have met their passion and purpose. Those that are boldly leaning in, which makes this conversation so special because we have a young girl that is boldly leaning in to her passion and to her purpose. Let me introduce you. Ayati Dashkar is an inspiring, self-taught artist. Her creativity and imaginations, they truly are going against traditional norms and expectations. She's currently the assistant creative director of the book, Lead Her. Additionally, she's the co-founder of Queendom. Queendom Metaverse, it's an online platform that allows users to explore virtual worlds and create their own communities. And both of these are done in partnership with the World Woman Foundation, a nonprofit organization. Recently, Ayati collaborated with award-winning visual artist, Karen Bissett, to launch the Crown Yourself collection, which encourages women and girls to use creativity and fashion to embrace their true selves. And when she's not busy breaking down barriers and literally changing the world, Ayati loves writing poetry and learning fun facts about everything. She has boundless energy, a smile that you will see that lights up the room, and she's an inspiration to everyone that, you, that she meets. She owes, and she credits her grandmother for inspiring her, who lives in India and helping to shape her today. And her wonderful mother is here today as well. So everyone, can we extend a very warm welcome to Ayati Dashkar. So Ayati, it's so great to have you here. It's so great to have a little bit of lunch with you as well. And so we are now officially in International Women's Month. Yes. And International Women's Day is next Wednesday, March 8th. Mm -hmm. And the theme, the global theme is embracing equity. But equity really means is that it's giving everyone something that they need to be successful. But that something is not the same for everyone. 
because we're not standing on equitable ground. In other words, giving the exact same thing to a woman or girl may be different than what we need for our young boys. So, Ayati, from your perspective, what does equity look like for girls? Before sharing my perspective about young girls' equality and giving my opinion about the future, I want to give you a personal experience that why we deserve equality. So, so I was gifted two books by Ms. Federica Marchioni, who is the CEO of Global Fashion Agenda. And one was a fairy tale book, and one was a woman's history around the world book. And while I was reading the fairy tale book, I realized that in most of the fairy tale books, princesses are always left behind. They cannot help themselves out. And that is what young girls look up to, the fairy tale books. And that is what they interpret. And I was reading the woman's history on the world book, and I made three observations, which I would like to share with you all. So my first observation was that most of the population uses their right hand to do things. But you know why? Because when women were considered as gatherers in the ancient times, they held the baby in their left hand. So it gets soothed by the steady heartbeat of the chest, and they use their right hand to do things. And that is why most of the population uses their right hand. And my second observation is that it's a very embarrassing story. So I was playing soccer at gym, and two girls came up to me and said, you might be on your periods and everything, making me embarrassed over and over again. And they made me nervous so much that I peed my pants in front of everybody. And everybody laughed at me. And as soon as I got home, I said to my mom, I'm not going to go to school for the next few days because this is what happened. And my mom said that it was a joke. And that was a very bad one. And before going to bed, I was reading the Woman's History Around the World book. And it said, because of my periods, we have a lunar cycle, the lunar calendar, and the principles of counting and numbers. So I don't know what to be ashamed of, what to be afraid of. And we just need to own it. Here we are at New York. And the most popular Broadway show is The Lion King. But I think it should be called Nala the Queen. You know why? Because... She was the one who gave courage and confidence to Simba to actually fight back, because Simba was the one who just went into the forest and lived his life. Yeah, I love that. That part. And that is why I think it should be called Nala the Queen. I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to watch The Lion King or any princess movie the same after that. I love <laughs> that. Thank you so much. The equality needs to exist because our discrimination, young girls' discrimination and abuse still exists, yes. and it can be unrecognized but it still exists. Girls' stereotyping can remain unrecognized, but it still exists. And that is why girls' equality needs to exist, because we are innovators, creators, and we are powerful, and we are the force for change. That's right. I couldn't agree more. I mean, as I mentioned earlier in the introduction, I'd love to talk a bit more, because you've been a force for change. (laughs) You were the consistent creative director for the book Lead Her, which focuses on 60 women, about how they're breaking boundaries and barriers. Tell everyone a bit more about the book Mm -hmm. and like some of the lessons that you learned by your involvement with it. So Lead Her is about 60 women leading change in 60 different ways and solving 60 different problems and giving young girls one leadership tool and one leader to truly inspire them to find their true dreams and ambitions. And while designing this book, one of my biggest lessons while working on this project was that 
first was teamwork because this was my biggest project, my first biggest project, and bringing the standard of excellence to the table because we have this imaginary picture of a woman superhero in our mind that they should have a cape, they have to be, have a weapon. But we need to remember that it's not about the weapon or the cape, but it's about her. It's about her story. It's about her inner superpower. And that is what matters. So that is how I brought the standard of excellence to the table. And I realized my own superpower because this was my summer project. I had no idea I would be assistant creative director for the, because I had no friends and I was getting bullied every single day. So this was my summer project and I was just doing it for fun. And I just designed it. And then the book, just I got a printout of the book and I was just going through a random page. I opened a random page and I saw my name on the page. And I was like, really? I didn't know that so far. So that is how I became the assistant creative director. Wow. And I realized that you don't need titles, labels to create change. If you want to make change, be it and be on it. Now, besides reflecting back and thinking very little of my summer projects growing up now, <laughs> tell me a bit more, like, tell me one of the women that really inspired you in the book. Was there one woman that really stood out? So I'm a big science fan, and I love space. So one of my favorites was Miss Christina Koch, who is a NASA astronaut who has been in space for the longest time. And her leadership tool is lead by exploring yourself, lead by exploring your true limits. Exploring space is a whole different topic, but exploring yourself is what matters. And that is how she was like my favorite, and she inspired me. I mean, your confidence and your bravery is truly just palpable. And, you know, I know you have been inspired by the possibilities of the metaverse, but also the metaverse being a better world or being more like the world that we seek, right? That it can be better for the greater good, better for society. Tell us a bit more about the space you've created for girls, Queendom Metaverse. You know, tell me, how did you come up with it? Tell me a bit, tell everyone a bit more about this community. Because I was playing so many games that gave me this metaverse experience. And I was looking at so many artists who are putting their art in the metaverse, which made me feel like, whoa, I need to put my art in the metaverse. <laughs> it just created the metaverse. I just did it. And just imagine a young girl who has been left behind because of war, climate change, and has become a refugee in Afghanistan or any part of the world. And she will get a space for herself where she will not get judged. She will not have to carry the labels, like lack of confidence. Because of negative peer pressure, she will not have the embarrassment of talking in front of others because she has negative peer pressure. She doesn't have to carry the label. She can be totally herself. And that is the power of the metaverse. And that is why I created the metaverse for young girls to come together. And we're helping young girls in five different ways. By coaching, capital, community, and a creative space for them and giving them commerce opportunities. Coaching is where companies like Mattel, Verizon can come together and they can take over rooms in Queendom campus, which we have created, and they can just take our rooms and teach young girls about 3D printing products or mass producing products. Community where they can meet 
young girls can meet uh, like-minded girls and create something more powerful. And they can uh, have creative opportunities because we have created a Queendom gallery where they can put their art in galleries. And we have created commerce opportunities where they can put their products in digital stores, in Queendom digital stores. And we have capital where they can showcase their ideas and they can teach, they can showcase their products and just be taught about, like, they can get a funding between $500 to $1,000. It might seem like a small funding, but it can mean a lot. And as I got funding, it means a lot to me. That small little funding means a lot to me to start my idea. And yeah, that is how we're going to help young girls. Well, that's impressive. It's absolutely amazing. And she unveiled this at Davos, by the way. And so as we close, you're out changing the world, literally. You're on the stage in front of this powerful room. You're brave. You told me that earlier this week, how brave you are and how brave all of us can be. What do you do for fun? I heard you like, I heard, you know, you're an artist. You've got some amazing artwork that I think we're going to be able to show to everyone. Yeah. But also... I heard you want to share a bit of a poem because you're big on poetry. Is that correct? Yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna, I'm going to give Ayati center stage to share a poem. And can I share why? what did I like to yeah, do? Yeah, please. So I like to play my violin. Okay. I like to draw. I like to write poetries. And I work like a queen. And I also chill like a queen. And that's my motto. Well, there you go. I mean... You did hear she said she chills like a queen, right? I mean, that's amazing. Thank you so much. All right. Let's hear more about your poetry. Thank you so much, Ayati. So this poetry is called Being a Girl is Enough Because It Is. And it's my original poetry. And here it is. I am a girl in the way I want to be. I am a girl in the way I want to be seen. I am a girl in the way I want to be shown. And I am that girl who dances like crazy, like nobody else is watching me. I am that girl who speaks until I'm not done. I am that girl who climbed those mountains, crossed those oceans. And I say to myself every day, I'm stronger than I thought, and I'm stronger than they think. I am that girl who looks into the mirror and says, I am beautiful, I am bold, and I am bright. And I am that girl who looks up into the bright and blue sky and says, that is where I belong. That is where my dream belongs. And I am that girl who belongs everywhere. And I am that ordinary girl who is crazy, giddy, bold, bright, who's bossy, but I'm still a girl. And I am enough. We hope you enjoyed this episode, the first of three Fireside Chats celebrating International Women's Month. We'd like to thank Judy for hosting this incredible conversation and a special thank you to Ayati Dashkar for sharing her insight and such a powerful perspective. You can find links to any resources mentioned in today's show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. And thank you for listening to the Meta Business Innovation and Technology Podcast. 